0: Welcome to Antioch Raleigh's weekly online sermon. We hope that you are encouraged by this word. For more information on Antioch Raleigh or access to our other online sermons, visit us at antiochraleigh.com. There is a statistical number, I'm not exactly sure, but it's been proven that the men that point out that their wives have gained weight after Christmas live a shorter life than their wives (laughs) how many enjoyed Christmas how many enjoyed all the food and fellowship and fun and now the New Year's resolutions have started and you're you're actually looking forward to that 30-day fast that everybody's calling for it's like yeah I need to lose that five pounds I gained or more so Um, yesterday we, uh, the the elders of this church gathered for a time of just prayer and seeking the the voice of the Lord that it was, we had no business agenda. In fact, there was a few little businessy things that wanted to creep in and we just were able to say, no, let's, let's just seek the mind of the Lord. And what is he saying to us as a church? Because it's, it's always a good thing to do. I think if you look at the Old Testament, there were, by the way, I, I just want to, this, this is an aside. Every couple of years, I buy, get a new Bible. It's part of my, um, I, I get a new translation too. It's a different translation. I like to mark up my Bible. Uh, this is not a doctrine of this church. It's just a doctrine for me. But I like to mark it up and I'm going to leave one of the, I have 12 grandchildren or I've got one on the way, so I'm going to have 12 and I'm going to leave one of these marked up Bibles for every one of my kids. And the other thing I like about it is I, I had one Bible for years and years that I've just marked up and eventually everything was marked up and nothing was unmarked. And it was kind of like, uh, that didn't do, that wasn't very helpful. So I've, I've, cha- <laughs> I've changed my approach, but what I am doing is I'm I'm making a lot of notes and it's really amazing as you go through all those different Bibles and sometimes I do, it's just almost like a commentary. And so for those of you that uh, might want to do that, uh, that's a, you could, especially you young folks, get a good leather Bible that you can hang on to for years and years. Um, but it's so big because somehow my eyesight's not quite as good, so I like a big one so I can see it. And by the way, I know everybody uses electronic Bibles, and I use them too. But can I just tell you, it's hard for me to really meditate. And I'm going to give you, I mean, it's a confession time here. It's hard for me to meditate. You know why? That electronic device is an incredible temptation. But this isn't. I can't, I can't, there's only pages right here. I can't go anywhere else except right here. I can go on the book of maps. I mean, you know, that, that, that might, (laughs) all right. So back to, to the elders meeting. One of the things that, um, we, we really wanted to hear from the Lord and what is it he's saying to us about this house? What is it he's saying to us as a people? What is, what is, what's on the heart of the Lord? Can I hand this to you? I've got all my notes. I don't This is just a prop. <laughs> I used to love how Billy Graham would hold his floppy Bible out and preach while it, you know. Yeah. So let me start with a couple of I believe statements. I woke up uh New Year's Day and uh just sitting praying, and I I just felt like the Lord prompted me to write down these statements. And the first one was, I believe 2022 will be a year of great advancement in our development. Excuse me. Uh, I believe that 2022 will be an unburdened, grace-filled year of prayer. That was my first one. When I was growing up, I didn't really understand prayer very well. Now I lay me down to sleep. I pray the Lord my soul to keep. If I should die before I wake, I pray the Lord my soul to take. When I was in my mid-twenties, I used to think, what a horrible, horrible thing to have a child pray that if you wake up dead, you're going to be in heaven. It's kind of like I thought it was a little insensitive. The older I get, the more I'm glad that my parents introduced me to the idea that death is always a possibility and that I should be prepared for it. That prayer is actually a prayer I prayed ritualistically as a child. And there were a few other prayers that uh, I prayed as a child. They, They were the equivalent of a child's liturgy. But then I got saved in the Jesus movement. And the great thing about the Jesus movement is it began to reemphasize an ancient truth that's often lost in religious circles. And that is the primary deal that we have in church and the kingdom of God and, and community is to have a relationship with Jesus. And we just rediscovered that truth. Yesterday, uh, day before yesterday, I was at a funeral of someone who was a pioneer in this town who got saved in the Jesus move, movement out of sex, drugs, and rock and roll. And it was such an incredible move of God back in the... And there's all these folks, and Brenda and I were part of the youth group of the people that were there at this funeral. We were the youngest people there. But what was so fascinating is I, we... We met people. In fact, this one lady said, yeah, I would, I'd been raised in church. I'd rejected the Lord. I was into this and that and, you know, Buddhism and all this stuff. And then Jesus grabbed a hold of my heart. And we were talking about the fact that in the 1970s, in the 1960s, people didn't talk about Jesus unless it was like this. The Lord Jesus Christ, bless us today, God. I'm telling you, that's the way preachers talked. It, it was as if he was some object. He was almost like a, an idol. He wasn't to be known, that's for sure. He was very far away. He's more like a schoolmaster that I dread going to see. How many of you ever had to go to the principal's office? Do not raise your hand. I'm not looking for <laughs> confession. So many of us approach the Lord like the the vice principal. Well, they don't do that anymore. But in my day. The vice principal was the guy that had the board of education. It was this big old paddle. You think that's a, you think we're, I'm lying? That is absolutely gospel truth right there. I'm telling you. And when Mister Taylor got a hold of you, you were lifted off the floor. But that's a. We're not going to go there. Too long anyway. But so many of us had this false image of god the father and so let me i want to read a scripture so what do i mean by an unburdened grace-filled year of prayer sometimes it's almost without fail when somebody talks about prayer everybody starts going you know inside they may not do it while they're sitting on the pew but they're inside they're going oh man i've got a lousy prayer life I fall asleep when I'm praying. I am not consistent with my prayer list. I'm not this and that. Well, I want to maybe shift your focus a little bit today. Let me, let me read you a really interesting discussion about prayer, about Jesus. In Luke 11, 1, and then ver- skip down verse 5 through 13, if you're following along. It says, one day Jesus was praying in a certain place. When he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray. Just as John taught his disciples. So I, I left out the verses which are the Lord's Prayer. Our Father who art in heaven. That's, what he, 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 that's how he, he, he addressed them immediately. But then he skips down in verse 5. He says this. Then Jesus said to them, Yet, because of your shameless audacity, he will surely get up and give you as much as you need. So I say to you ask and it will be given to you, seek and you will find, knock and the door will be open. For everyone who asks receives, everyone who seeks finds, and the one who knocks the door will be open. Which of you fathers, if your son asks for a fish, will give him a snake instead. Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion. If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask Him? Okay. Okay. You know, one of the things that Jesus never did when He taught is He never gave you a didactic one two three four points that's the way we love to learn but you know what Jesus did He he told a story he said there was a guy who had a friend who ha- had another friend who came from out of town his cupboard was bare he needs to go over to the other friend who's got all the he knows he d- went to food line the day before and he goes in and he says, hey, I, he knocks on the door late at night. It's, it's 1130. He's just got through walk, walk, watching, you know, uh, a little bit of TV and he's, the kids are in bed. He's in bed. He's got his skivvies on. He doesn't want to walk down and answer the door. And he, and he's, texting back no man i'm i'm in bed leave me alone you, you got you got those that food and you, you know our buddy from college is in town i'm paraphrasing jesus story a little bit here and i want you to open the door so i can get go in and raid your pantry And it says not because he's a friend, but because of his audacity, his persistence, his presumption. Why did Jesus, so Jesus says a prayer. And the first part of that prayer is what? We skipped that, but what's the first part of the Lord's prayer? Prayer our father I hear people talking and part of it is because of my Jesus movement roots but when I hear people praying to God it bothers me he's got a name his name is Jesus I want to talk to the father in the name of Jesus I want to talk to the Jesus and I want to talk to the son Jesus and I want to talk to the Holy Spirit Those the those are the revealed triune God. Now, I don't want to put any kind of condemnation on anybody who likes to talk to God. He knows who you are, and even if you don't always address it, just exactly dress him exactly right, he listens to hearts, not perfect theology. I was taught that he only listened to perfect theology until I started reading the Bible. And found out a lot of people weren't using perfect theology. And he was listening to them all the time. This thing is relational. Prayer is love language. It's the language of friends. Our Father is a deeply rich relational term. I was... uh, I've been around some folks from parts of the the world where the word Abba is the is the word for daddy. And the scripture says in Galatians that our spirit cries out to the to the crying out to the the Lord Abba, daddy, daddy. That's what our spirit is doing when we get filled with the Holy Spirit. And so, part of your and my summons to prayer is to be a people of prayer who knows and loves our Father. The purpose, the, I mean, Jesus came for all kinds of purposes. He came to save us from sin. He came to give us a purpose in our life. He he came for a multitude of reasons, but His number one reason, I believe, was to reveal the Father. Because Jesus was altering the theology of even the Old Testament understanding of the prophets. He was revealing the Father, the Father's heart. And in this very first teaching on how to pray, he's teaching God's people to presume on their friendship with God. When I first read that story, I I was perplexed at what it meant. I was so confused. I'm going, so God's this really reluctant God who... I got a bang on the door. And just because I'm bold, he finally answers because he's so reluctant. Duh. No, no. It's my buddy. I know, I, can, I know he's in bed. I know his pantry's full. And I know he's going to give me the stuff. Even though he doesn't want to. It's like really good friends that go... Are you kidding me? You forgot your wallet again? I, that's the third time in a row. I think you're setting me up. <laughs> How many of you have had friends that they always forget their wallet? Well, I'll tell you what. If you don't have a friend, I'll be your friend. <laughs> I'm that guy. I am that guy. I'm the guy. who goes, I asked you to dinner and I forgot to bring up. It was my. I was going to buy. Could you buy it? I'll pay you back next time. I've done that so many times. So would you be my friend? All right. then he says "What are you fathers so he, he, he tells a different story see Jesus is trying to make a point here he's going if you evil people will give your kids good stuff do you think your father in heaven is not wanting to give you good stuff and then he, then he finishes his up, up if then though you are evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give you the Holy Spirit for those of you who ask? Now that's fascinating to me. Here it is. We usually, those of us that really do believe in the power and the gifts and the presence of the Holy Spirit in our lives, we kind of separate that verse out. And it's it's okay to separate it out, but it's really not the context of that verse. The context of that verse is about prayer. And can I just tell you, the greatest gift and the asset and the resource that you have in your prayer life is the Holy Spirit. Jesus was unfolding a clue to those guys that they had yet to understand. That when I need to really pray... I need the holy spirit to assist me. It's like power driving, power assisted driving. It actually doesn't drive the wheels for you. I mean they're getting to the point where they'd actually do. They're get, they're they're a few years from now, you guys will be talking about, "Hey, you know back when I was a young man, we used to have to steer the wheel." <laughs> do you believe that? No, you're kidding. That's so primitive. Yeah, we used to have to use brakes. What are our brakes? <laughs> you talking about stuff that's broken? Well, we all need the, the power assist of the Holy Spirit as we pray. And I'm not going to teach on that in particular, but what I am, am saying is what Jesus in his prayer teaching, in his storytelling about his teaching, what we can glean is that it's okay for you to be presumptuous. Ask, and you will receive. Seek, and you're going to get what you're seeking found. And knock, and things will be open to you. It's a promise. People say, what's the secret to prayer? pray. That's the secret. Pray and be specific. Lord, I, I look, people go, well, wh- what if you get into presumption? If you're being presumptuous with God, uh, I think he's more worried about people not being presumptuous with him. I mean, how much? I- All right. Daniel and Jesse come over to my house and they go, they knock on the door. Can can we come in? I go, what's wrong with you? Of course you can come in. Oh, there's food on the table. Can, Can we sit down and eat? Not unless you're hungry. I mean, there's a presumption that we presume they're going to presume. We presume they're going to be presumptuous about being kids in our family. They're going to act, they don't ask to go to the refrigerator and go, What's to drink? They don't even ask if there's something to drink, they just find it. Or when it's not there, they go, There's nothing to drink. (laughs) That's called presumption. How many of you want your children? Well, those of you that are children, anybody here not a child? How many of you had a parent where that kind of presumption was not allowed? We're going to pray for you and get you inner healed. Because all of us, if we had good parents, they welcomed us into their home. There there was an expectation of them taking care. See, the thing about prayer that is so scandalous is it's for weak people. Prayer is weakness. You go, what do you mean by that, Steve? Well, it, it's, it's, I'm admitting I'm not the captain of my sh- own ship. I am the navigator of my own destiny. My fate is in my own hands. I make things happen. I am not one of those people who believes in God. No, I just believe in Jesus and have a relationship with him. And he, he, he is there for me. And you know, he may say, no, you can't have all those jelly beans. We have jelly belly, we have jelly belly, jelly beans for our grandchildren. I mean, the name jelly, of course. Um, So, so yeah little growth. so we it's it's kind of like the first thing our grandkids do when they walk in the house where are the jelly bellies and um, they presume and it's okay for them to presume on well three or four with grandma six to ten with granddad (laughs) let's just admit it and I have to slip them a few on the (laughs) sly. But the point is, Jesus knows when to say no. He's not afraid of your presumption. Lord, I, I I really want that Corvette, that, that brand new, that thing that looks, that I've always dreamed about. Nah. And that's how he'll, he'll talk to you. He's not going to go, that was a wicked, wicked, wicked prayer. <laughs> I've never had him do that. He, he, he may go, you'll wrap that around a tree. I'm not going to let you do that. Um, there's something else that, I had some really good stuff written. None of this was written, but that's okay. Prayer without striving, yet plenty of effort. This effort has nothing to do with work as we envision work, but rather it is the immense effort that we must exercise to remain relationally connected to the one we love. Prayer is the place where we invite the Father into our story and ask to be in His story. There's no formula here. There's only conversation. Now, for any conversation to be effective, there must be pauses and silences. Language means nothing without punctuation. Have you ever... I mean, can you, can you imagine... I made an F on a paper. In my first paper, I thought I was a pretty decent writer. I'd always gotten good grades in high school. I go to gr- college, and I have that, that first uh, quarter of English, and you have to write every Friday. You had to write a four- or five-page paper. You walk in, and write on the chalkboard, we had chalkboards in those days, was the topic, and you had to write... A paper on that subject that you might have no knowledge of. But she really wasn't wanting to know your knowledge. She was wanting to know if you knew how to write. And if you left out a comma, you got a C. And if you left out a period, guess what you got? F. Do they still do that in college yet? Are they that hard on you guys? No wonder I'm reading some of the stuff I can't decipher. Okay. No. uh, I I find it amazing on the internet how many, it's, it's kind of like punctuation marks. I just, why do you need a question mark at the end of a sentence? Because there's a question. And if you don't read the question mark, oh, you thought it was a statement, not a question, right? And if you don't see the period, you don't stop. And know that there's a new thought getting ready to start. And if you don't see the comma, you don't see, oh, there's a parenthetical here that somebody's going to insert a, a, another thought on top of this other thought, or maybe a sequence of thoughts. That How am I doing, English majors? Am I doing okay? You see, punctuation... Is silence. And you can't have a conversation with someone without you shutting up and listening. Now, you may say, well, I shut up and listened and I didn't hear the Lord and he didn't say anything back to me. He is the Ancient of Days. How many of you love Tolkien, Lord of the Rings? Okay, for those of you that don't know, this is a Tolkien church and you need to read Tolkien. No. Uh, the Ents. how many of you love the character of the Ents, the old ancient trees and when Mary and Pippin were talking to th- these are two uh, little fellows that were on the adventure and uh, they were uh, companions of Frodo and they were uh, trying to Wage war against the very bad, no good, evil force. And so they needed the ints, because the ints were awesome. They were powerful. But they had a three-day conversation just to decide whether they would go to war. And Mary and Pippin were like, this is a decision yes or no. And they took three days. And the the way it all started is they just sat around and looked at each other. And they didn't say anything. And the reason was is they were ancient. They had been around a long time. And they needed to think and hear. And I think what Tolkien was trying to capture is this whole idea that the ancient of days is never in a hurry. You may be, but he's not. And by the way, Tolkien, the reason I recommend Tolkien is he was a believer and he was, many of his illustrations and stories were just like the stories Jesus told. They were stories about a friend wanting to borrow a loaf of bread from his neighbor. I'm not going to get through to any of my other points. <laughs> I think we said enough on prayer. And I think we said enough that I, I do want to let me, let me add this little comment. The Word who became flesh wants to hold a conversation with you, but you must take a breath. Ask a question and then listen. Make a statement and remain silent. Do you, only, do you want only to be heard or do you also want to hear and listen? I've heard a common catchphrase. Sometimes it's been used um, violently, mostly out of pain. It reflects, I think, the pain and injury of um, so much of this generation and frankly a lot of other generations. And, and this, this is the statement. It says, I just need to be heard. And it reflects a deep emotional longing that for emotional connection that I, I think is legitimate. But the irony of that statement it, is, is that there's nothing relational at the end of it. It needs an additional relational component. Otherwise, it's just, I want to be listened to, and I don't want to listen. And it becomes relationally vacant in its meaning. A better statement would be, I need you to hear me, and I really want to hear from you too. And that's exactly what Jesus said. Jesus' statement to us is that the Father always hears me. And I always hear the Father and do what He tells me. Prayer is the language of heaven. There's heavenly languages. And the Lord gives us those sometimes when we run... I I run out of steam. Believe it or not, I I don't... I, I mean, I get paid to be a talker, but there are times when I just can't talk. I don't know what to say. I don't know what to feel, but I need to be able to pray and the Lord's that's what he he gave us a heavenly light prayer language for those of us that desire it and receive it he's given us the Holy Spirit for groanings too deep for words only really deep friends know how to grunt with each other and everybody knows exactly what was just said yeah. What do you think about? Uh, you think he's going to go to this? <laughs> what do you think about them? Hmm. We all do it. We know how to make the grunts and groans, and we we don't need words, to, do we? This year is going to be a year of prayer. It's going to be a year where we seek first the kingdom of God through a conversation with our Father in Heaven who is waiting for us to be presumptuous. Everything I've said probably needs a little balance here or there. The fear of the Lord it's what we always have to walk in when we leave the presence of the Lord in a tangible way and I'm not saying we don't have the reverence for the Lord that's not what I'm saying just that's why the very first commandment about other human beings of the Ten Commandments so the first four commandments were vertical between man and God the next six commandments were all horizontal. And the very first one of those was to honor your father and your mother. It's the only one with a promise, and it it is a reflection of the respect that kids need to pay to their parents even as they presume on their willingness to take care of their welfare. So I'm not saying that Your prayer needs to be arrogant or haughty or childish. I'm saying that your prayer does need to presume on God's goodness for you. And if you do that, it's going to change your prayer life. I I absolutely know it will change your prayer life. You know what you'll start doing? Here's something else you'll quit doing. You'll quit worrying about making really long, noisy prayers. You got anything to eat, Lord? I need some food. That's a good prayer right there. Lord, I'm, I'm hungry. Lord, I'm not hungry, and I don't feel like that's good for me. Can you make me hungry? Lord, I, you know what, Lord? I don't really feel very loving toward, you know. <laughs> he goes, yeah, I really don't. <laughs> Glad you fessed up. You want me to change your heart? Yeah, I guess. I mean, this bitterness really feels good sometimes. But, I mean, do you talk to the Lord that way? I do. I'm presumptuous with him. I presume he knows how I feel already. I need to presume that. So let's begin to presume on his omniscience, his... Everlasting, steadfast love and goodness. Let's presume on his eager anticipation of us coming to him. And unburdening. And let's presume that just because we don't get an instant sense of his response. That he is slow to speak. Let's not presume that. Let's presume that he will speak. Let's presume that his slowness is not something that we need to evaluate our clock. We don't judge him by our clock. We, We are judged by his clock. And his clock is eternal. And there's just something about these eternal beings. They just don't get in such a big hurry like we do. Right? That's the God we're dealing with. We're dealing with Him on His terms. But one of His terms is, come to me. Come. I am eager for you to come. Let's all stand. That is one of our deep values this year that we want to pursue. To be a church of prayer. To be a church of conversation with the Father. And to seek the kingdom of God being established through the weakness of prayer. How many of you feel like you might be encouraged to pray a little more? I hope so. Because most of the sermons I ever heard on prayer just made me feel guilty. And it never helped my prayer life at all. And by the way, let me say one last thing. This is really important. What did Jesus first do? We didn't read this part, but what was the first thing Jesus did when they asked him to teach him how to pray? He prayed. That's what he did. If you want to learn how to pray, go hang out with people that know how to pray. That's a really important thing. Every Sunday morning, every one of you in this room are invited to come at 9.15 and go down and meet with... Chris Wang, and any of us that go and pray. We do that every, every single Sunday at 9.15, down in the education wing over here. Every single one of you are invited to come. And um, I would encourage you to do it. And you don't, have to, you don't have to do anything. You can just sit and listen. You don't need to feel obligated to pray but but it's really amazing their provocation to ask the question was they had watched him pray and they wanted to learn how many of you want to learn some of us i mean most of us admit i i I need to learn more about prayer but if you don't have the right basis to praying you won't pray because you'll be afraid to because you'll think you'll mess up And the fact of the matter is, a lot of profanity is just nothing more than the desire to pray without an object. A lot of cursing is nothing more than prayer. Without an object, who can answer those prayers? Well, I've talked enough here. Let's pray. Father, I thank you that we get the privilege of a conversation with you. We get to talk with the creator of the universe. We get to hear from you. And Lord, as we grow in prayer, there's a, we experience it how quickly you answer us, how we know you hear us, and how we know we've been heard. Now we get to hear from heaven. And Lord, whether it's a day or a moment or a week or a month, Lord, we know we will hear from you. We'll hear through a brother, we'll hear through a sister, we'll hear through a circumstance, we thank you that you answer our prayers Lord I pray that people would learn to keep prayer diaries and start recording their answered prayers I pray Lord that in this congregation people would become intercessors praying for those who are lost Lord I pray that in this church there would become people who would begin to really wrestle for the lives of their friends and their neighbors I pray Lord that people would begin to have your holy unction to pray for their family members that they've thought, well, they just need more drugs or more this or more that. Lord, that they would begin to pray for answers that exceed whatever medicine and science can provide. Lord, I pray for jobs. I pray for welfare, that that you would watch over this people I pray that we would be like the land of Goshen and as as COVID gets worse and the fear out there increases, Lord, that we would be protected. And Lord, for those who get COVID, Lord, we pray that their bodies would fight against it and be healed. Lord, we pray that no death will come near our door through this terrible disease. And Lord, we thank you that you answer our prayers every single time.